0: Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty.
1: Victory Church, it's such an honor to have each and every one of you with us. Whether you're joining us from the Edmond campus, whether you're here at the Oklahoma City campus, or maybe you're watching online, or maybe you're watching or listening to this podcast at a later date, we welcome you. We honor you. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Before I jump into the message, I want to remind all of us of a couple of really important things coming up here very soon at Victory Church. Uh, Youth Camp And kids camp is quickly approaching. Youth camp at the Edmond campus is already full. So if you missed it, you missed it. It's full. Uh, Youth at OKC, you can still register. Kids camp at both, you can still register. But what I wanna take a moment and just share and ask of our church family is if you would consider sponsoring a student. We have many students that would like to come to camp but they can't afford to come to camp. And so we don't turn people down. We want them to come and experience the presence of God at one of our camps. But what we wanna do is empower and equip you as the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. And so you, maybe you would pray about it with your family and maybe God would lead you to sponsor a child to be able to attend our kids camp or our youth camp. So with that being said, I wanna bring a word to you today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and start turning to this passage. You're gonna to turn to uh, uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse six. Okay, and while you're flipping to this, I'm gonna kind of recap. I've done this every week, but many of you haven't been here since we've started this new season. So let me tell you what season we're in. We're in a season called strength. And what God is doing in this season is we are taking certain characters throughout the Bible and spotlighting and highlighting a strength that has been empowered through them to do amazing works for God, and what we're doing is we're looking at the strength that they've uh, that they've been given by the Lord, and knowing that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and knowing that the God, the same God who gave Gideon strength, the same God who gave Zerubbabel strength, can give the same transformative power to the saints today. That the Scriptures are not just for them; they are for today. Uh, the first week, if you remember. We preached about Gideon and I started the sermon off and I kinda wanna do a quick review as, of a passage that we started off on. On Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, this was kind of a foundational verse as we leaned into this new season. It says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you, to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Now, this is where we leaned in during the season, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. army. So you see the results of this strength was they became powerful in battle, and they routed the enemy. And God wants to empower us to do the same. And he can take those weak places of our life and turn them into strength. And if you remember, going back to week one, we looked at these two words, weakness and the word strength. The word weakness in the Greek was the Greek word asthenia, and there was two types of this. It was the the weakness of the body physically. It could be your mind. It could be your your physical body. You're just weary and tired, but it it could also be your soul And your soul would represent those things that might be a trial or a tribulation or a trouble. So he's taking both of these aspects, the weakness of our body and maybe the weakness of our souls and turning them into strength. And this Greek word for strength in this passage is the Greek word *endunamao*. It's a really fun word. And it means to fill with power, to turn to strength. And so today, with the same context in mind, where I want to I highlight or spotlight a certain person in the Bible. Last week, we talked about Zerubbabel. Michelle and I talked about Zerubbabel. Quick, shameless plug, how great of a job she did. But uh, last week was Zerubbabel, maybe a character in the Bible that, that many of us ha- haven't heard of or, or heard very few sermons about. This week, the character of the Bible is someone that we've all heard of. Many, most of us have heard of this, if you've been in church at all. Today, we're going to talk about David. David, as we know, was the king of Israel, king of Judah, uh, God's appointed leader for the throne. God says that he became a man after God's own heart. Today, the topic I want to look at and the strength that I see God giving him is one that I, I, I don't say this with hyperbole. I'm trying not to overcompensate this. But I really think if we can truly embrace this topic as believers, if we can really lean into this idea of this specific type of strength that David possessed, I really think that it could have a really, really powerful impact, not just on us and not just on the body of Christ, but in the entire world. So the passage of scripture that you've already turned to in 1 Samuel chapter 30, let me give you some context here. David and his mighty men have been out fighting. They were out in in battle and they had left their women and their children back uh, in, in Ziklag, and we'll read more about this in the future, but I wanna spotlight one little passage in this. And what happened was the Amalekites, while they were gone, the Amalekites came and, and kidnapped or took all of their women and all, all of their children, all of their families had been taken. And this is where I wanna pick up just in one verse that I wanna read to you in verse six to introduce the topic to you. First Samuel chapter 30, verse six, and this is what it says. It says, moreover, David was greatly distressed Because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, and each one, each one, because his sons and his daughters. Now this is the part I want us to lean to. It says this. It says, "But David strengthened himself in the Lord." In fact, the King James version says it this way. The King James version says, "David encouraged himself in the Lord." The title of what I wanna talk to you about today is today we're gonna talk about David's strength and the subtitle of this passage, the subtitle of this message is The Strength to Encourage Yourself. And I want you to really think about what this means. I really want you to really try to focus in on what this is. Can you imagine the impact that this could have on our lives? Can you imagine the impact that this could have on the world if we learned this amazing strength, this God-given strength that I believe was a God-given strength that God gave David, and it was the ability to encourage himself. So let's think about these words. Let's kind of break down these words for just a second. So encourage, okay? Uh, there's two, t- two basic words in this in this word, and this one word is in and courage. So if you look up the original, if you go back and, and kind of do a wordsmith of this word, the in, the en part of this word means to place, to attach, to implant. I want you to think about that, implant. So we're implanting courage. We're putting courage in something. Now, I want you to think about the, the opposite of that word. The opposite of that word would be discourage. The word dis, if you go and look at the, the definition of dis, would be to apart, to remove, to take out of. So you're saying if, if you have courage, someone has put courage in you, And if you don't have courage, somebody has taken courage out of you. And when courage, think about this in in our lives, when courage is emptied out of our everyday life, when we feel discouraged, the automatic response in the humanity of who we are is we look for places to fill it back with courage. So we become discouraged, and then at some point in our day-to-day walk, we're going to be searching for encouragement, And there's lots of ways we do this. There's lots of ways we go to find encouragement. We go to find encouragement through other people. We may go to social media. We, we may uh, do it through success or money or any other realm of things that we could go to to try to insert something into the emptiness that we're feeling. But I love this thought that David had the ability to encourage himself. And this is really important for us to, to understand. And I really begin to think about this. What if we could actually do this? What if we could actually master this? What if we could actually lean on the strength of the Lord? And at any given moment, we could have the ability to bring encouragement into our own self. Have you ever, let me ask you this question. Now, when I ask this question, everyone, don't look to the right or to the left. Don't elbow anybody. Have you ever been around somebody who is just draining Have you ever encountered somebody that is completely and utterly draining to you and when you're around them, you want to not be around them because they're drawing from you? What are they doing? They're discouraged, so they're trying to come to you to pull from you to be encouraged. And I don't wanna discount this. I don't don't wanna say that we should stop encouraging people. That That is not my heart and that's not what I'm trying to say today. But I do think that sometimes we go to the wrong location to find encouragement. And so what I want us to do today for just the next few minutes is I want us to learn from David. Let's learn from David. The first week we learned from Gideon and the process that God took him through to find courage. Last week we looked at Zerubbabel and how he was called to have the strength to finish what he had started. Today I want us to find the strength to be able to encourage ourselves in the Lord. What I want to do is I want to present to you three areas or three scenarios in David's life. Uh, when he had to strengthen himself in the Lord. And I I think I can prove this to you. I think I can show this to you in Scripture. Three different scenarios that if we look close enough, we'll find ourselves at any given day in these same three scenarios and then look in the text to see how David encouraged himself in the middle of that scenario. So we're going to find ourselves in the story. So David, if you're taking notes, I want you to write the first one down. David had the strength to encourage himself when it came to his, number one, desires. So I would kind of subtitle that point to say, when your timing is not God's timing. So he experienced this. And many times we get frustrated or we get discouraged when our timing doesn't fit God's timing. And if anybody understood this, it was David. David understood the rhythm of this. And if you go back through his story from 1 Samuel 13 all the way to 2 Samuel chapter 5, he is waiting. He is in the rhythm of waiting and truly beginning to understand what the term waiting for it means. And Samuel walked this out. We do not know the exact age David was when he was anointed king. A lot of historians and theologians, they'll place it around maybe when he was a young teenager, a young boy even. So we don't know the exact timeline there, but, but we do have a decent timeline in knowing how long he waited. So some theologians believe that it was around 15 years. I want you to, I want you to think about this number. It was around 15 years from the moment he was anointed as king, as king to when he became the king over Judah. And then from there, it was another seven years before he would become the king of all of Israel. So over 20 years, I want you to really lean into this and think about this. For 20 years, he waited. For 20 years, he fought discouragement. For 20 years, he was promised something, but yet waiting to yet to see it become to the full revelation. You see kind of this heart in many of David's Psalms. You will see this heart Bursting forth out of a discouragement, a crying to the Lord in Psalm 13.1. He said, how long, O Lord, will uh, uh, will you forgive me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So he's he's showing us this agony of waiting and waiting on the Lord and waiting on Saul to stop chasing him. And all of these different seasons of his life. So I want you to catch this. I really want us to lean into this thought that David didn't learn to encourage himself in the Lord in the palace. He learned to encourage himself in the Lord in the field. He was anointed king and he went back to do what he had always done. He went back to tend sheep. And I believe that it was during the season, during the waiting, during the season where his desires were not meeting his expectations, that God really began to minister to him in how, David, to encourage yourself in the Lord. And I think that if David was here, I think under this point, he would give us a couple of sub points. I don't know if David was into sub points or not, but I think if he was here, he would tell us two things that helped him learn while he waited. I think the first thing he would tell us is he would tell us all to embrace being a nobody. And I don't think anybody would get real excited about that and shout that down. But can I tell you something? When David was sitting in the field, tending sheep and fighting off lions and bears, he was a nobody. He was a nobody. But it was in the season of being a nobody that God was making him into somebody. He had to embrace this. And I want you to think about this because whenever, even when he was anointed king, even when he was brought in to be king, his name wasn't even mentioned, okay? He was so unworthy of being mentioned that he wasn't even mentioned, he was so unworthy of being noticed that he wasn't even invited to the ceremony. In fact, in 1 Samuel 16, 11, Samuel says this. Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? And his father replies, they're still the youngest. He wasn't even worthy of having his name mentioned. Yeah, the little kid, the little one that's not worthy of being here. And he had to live into this idea and live into this moment of knowing that his desires were being delayed. And he had to embrace the idea of being a nobody. And I want to say it again, that before David became somebody, God was doing a work to the nobody. And I think that God, I think if David was here, he would tell us to embrace these seasons where we're waiting on the Lord. Embrace these seasons where our desire is not being met. And one of the ways that we learn in this season to encourage ourselves in the Lord, it may sound crazy, it may sound abnormal, it may seem the opposite of what you think you should be doing, but I think David would tell us to embrace being nobody. The second thing I think David would tell us to embrace, I think he would tell us to stay planted, I think it would tell us to just stay, to just remain, to just be be satisfied, be content with where God has you during that season. So we know after he was anointed king, he went right back to doing his old job. He went right back to tending the flock. And we know that some short time later, he was charged by his dad to go deliver cheese to his brothers at Goliath. So we know that there is an assignment, okay? There was an assignment for David, and the assignment wasn't it wasn't pretty, it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't anything spectacular. His assignment was to stay planted in the field and to do what God was calling him to do. So all of a sudden, he became somebody, right? Your anointed king. All of a sudden, David is somebody. Now that he's somebody, instead of going somewhere, he was going nowhere. <laughs> so he's 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 selected out as this this next king and and he's got to be thinking this is it this is my shot this is this is everything is clearing the path for all the things i've been waiting for and he's instructed to just go back and tend the sheep but i'm convinced that it is in the field that god is doing some of his greatest work so what do we do in this season we don't look for the next job we don't look for the next relationship we don't look across to somebody else's field and see that the grass is greener on the other side david tended the flock that he had before God gave him the next flock. And we have to be disciplined in this. In this season that you're waiting, in this season that you feel like your desires aren't being met, stay planted because God knows where to find you. So I'll say this too. God is um, pretty smart, right? He's a pretty smart guy. And he knows where he left you. Your next assignment, God knows that he can come find you in the last place that he left you. So there's no reason. When God came to look for David, when his appointed time has come, God didn't have to look around in all the different fields to find out where God was. God finds his children in the place of their last assignment. So if God has called you to it, don't you think he can open the door when the time comes for the timing to be there? I had a pastor call me one time and was just processing and processing through his preaching. I may have told this story here before once, or I don't remember if I have or not. And he was was just kind of asking me what he should do. Should I start a website? Should I start a ministry? Because I want to travel and speak, because I believe God has called me to do it. And I just simply asked him, if God has called you to do it, if God has called you to stand on platforms, don't you think he can bring you the platform? We don't need to create a platform. We don't need to create our own stage. If God's called us to it, he can prepare us for it when the time comes. So your next assignment, God will come and get you for it. He'll come get you for it. He knows where he found you. The best thing you can do is finish well. The best thing you can do is embrace being a nobody, embrace the field that he has you in, and don't miss the battles that you're called to fight there. Because there's a bear and a lion coming to the flock that you're currently in and your assignment is to protect that flock. God was using that flock to prepare him for a much greater flock that God would call him to lead in that season. The second thing, the, the second scenario that David found himself in that he had to process through and encourage himself in the Lord. We're gonna go back to the opening text we started in. David strengthened himself when it came to his distress. Okay, so the first thing he had to strengthen himself in was desires. When desires, when the ways of God aren't what my ways are, he had to encourage himself. The second thing is in distress. And distress I would define as this, when your way is not God's way. This can create distress. So the word distress, let me just show you a really simple dictionary definition of distress. Distress refers to extreme sorrow or pain extreme sorrow or pain most sorrow and most pain are the result of something not going the way that you expected them to go and this is the story this is the main text that i read to you just a moment ago but for the for the sake of context i want to read to you a little bit more of the stories to lead up to it so let's go back to first samuel chapter 30 and this time i'm going to read verses one through six it says, Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and, and on Ziklag, and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people were with him, lift, who were with him, lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I've ever wept that much until there was no strength in me left to even weep. Now David's two wives had been taken captive, a, 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 a Hinomi, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Watch verse six. Moreover, David was greatly distressed. He was in a moment of distress, a moment of extreme sorrow and extreme pain because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. And then we come back to the text, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Obviously, the key part of this whole story is not what David did, okay? David, we see this, and this is the key of us learning the discipline of encouraging ourselves. This text, whether you noticed it or not, this text gives us insight and direction into actually how David did this, because this is all of our question, isn't it? If David had the ability to encourage himself in the Lord, how did he do this? Well, I think in this text that I just read, even in that last sentence, there was there's some really key, key parts that I want to point out to you. So in real estate, there's there's a really important saying that if you're in real estate, you already know where I'm going with this. And what I wanna do is I wanna tie the aspect of this, this, this phrase in real estate to even the idea of strengthening ourselves in the Lord, okay? So David had the ability and he understood that location, location, location. In real estate, we all know that location is all that matters. Can I just inform you that when it comes to encouraging yourself in the Lord, location is all that matters. Because whether you noticed it or not, I'll put it back up on the screen for you, where did David encourage himself? It says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. In the Lord. We all are going to find places to find encouragement. So, and it's such an important concept, right, in. It's a description, it's a descriptive word that lets us know where you were when this happened. Like, I had fun in Mexico, right? I had fun, where? In Mexico, at the beach. The location matters. And so David is saying, I I found, guys, I found the secret formula. I figured out how to encourage myself. And the location is all that matters. I, I have to remove myself from the location of the distress and move my location into the Lord. And it is in the Lord that I find my encouragement. So Let's just let's just play with this for a second. So, if you're discouraged, I could probably list some locations that you've been spending. Um, if you're if you're in a season of feeling discouraged, chances are you've been hanging around people who are discouraging. They're a drain. They're 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 pulling from you. If you're in a season of discouraged, I would love to take your phone from you and just see what your search history is. I would love to like see how many hours you've spent on social media to find discouragement. It has to do with your location. It has to do with the place that you've been allowing your mind to linger to. And if your mind lingers to a location, you will find what you're looking for. And it all came into this location in this moment. So if you're encouraged, if you're feeling really encouraged, if you're in a great mood, you should stop and do some what is referred to in psychology as metacognition. Metacognition is simply thinking about what you're thinking about. So when you're discouraged, you should stop and say, why am I discouraged? And the first thing we should ask ourselves is, where have I been? Where has my mind been? Who have I been hanging out with? What locations, what shows am I watching? What news am I watching? What am I ingesting? Where have I been spending my time? But if you're encouraged, I would, I would venture to guess that you've probably been hanging around with some, some encouraging people you've been hanging around with people that are a good influence on your life. If you're in a good mood, I would if you're if you're in a season of encouragement, chances are you've been spending a little more time in prayer. Chances are you've been spending a little more quiet time with the Lord in the morning instead of instead of other things that you could take your time up with. Maybe you've been listening to more worship music. I would just stop to challenge you to say if you're discouraged or encouraged, stop to think about what you've been thinking about and stop to take some analysis of the location in which you've been spending some of your time. So not it's not just location 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 because there's another two words in this passage that I didn't even read, I didn't even notice. I read it, but I didn't even notice it until further on in my studies. So number the first thing is location location location. The second thing is relationship relationship relationship. So let me read this text for you again. But David strengthened himself where in the Lord Now, watch these last two words. His God. His God. When I refer to Michelle, I say my wife. It's not possessive. I don't own Michelle any more than David owns God. It's not a possessive phrase, it's a relational phrase. And what David is saying is he says two key ingredients to being encouraged. It's location, 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 and relationship, relationship, relationship. And he was able to take himself out of the location of the discouraging distress and insert himself into the encouraging location of the body of Christ or the the presence of the Lord. But it was all out of a relationship. These two words reveal why the field was so important. It wasn't in the palace that this relationship was formed. It wasn't when David was king that this relationship was formed. It was in the loneliness of the field. It was in the season of him being nobody. It was in the season of of him being unnoticed. It was in the season of him staying planted where he was that God forged a relationship with him that years later when he was in distress, when he was in one of the most distressful most challenging seasons of his life, he was able to, to to perform or achieve this thing that we're all reading about and trying to accomplish today where he could actually stop and encourage himself in the Lord. The third thing and the final thing, so number one, he was able to overcome and strengthen himself despite his desires. The second thing he was able to is strengthen and encourage himself despite the distress. Point number three, God, David had the strength had to strengthen himself when things were dire, when things were dire. Now, what do you mean by that? So keep that up on the screen for just a second. Let me read to you the definition of dire, okay? The definition of dire refers to situations or events that cause great anxiety, fear, and worry, okay? These are dire situations. So dire situations is when your thinking is not God's thinking, for the first one is God's timing is not your timing. The second one is whenever we're going through distress and his, our ways are not God's ways. And the third one is a, we, we, the way we think is just not the way God thinks. And this puts us in dire situations. This is mental health coming to life in, in the Bible. And I want to I lean in on this for, for just a second. So let's go to another story in the Bible where I, I see this coming to life it's in 2 Samuel chapter 24, and in 2 Samuel chapter 24, I, I'll, I'll go through this kind of quickly for the sake of time, but I encourage you to go read about this later. This is one of the, one of the moments in David's life where he, he, he really displeased the Lord. One, obviously, we know was Bathsheba. This one was when David decided to take a census. He decided to take a census of the land, and this displeased the Lord. And in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 10, this is where we pick up. It says, but after he had taken the census, David's, I want you to catch this, David's conscience, his conscience began to bother him. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my, my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. So the prophet Gad, at this time, the prophet Gad comes to, to David and he's, he's saying to him, you're punished, You're going to be punished and the Lord's going to punish you for this. And, and this is really discouraging in and of itself. This is, this is the dire situation. I'm setting up the dire situation that he was being put in. Okay. So the prophet Gad comes to him and he says, the God gives you three choices for your punishment. And you're going to pick one of these three. Okay. So he tells him, he said, here's your first choice. There's going to be a famine in the land for three years. You're like, oof, that doesn't sound like a good choice. What's, what's behind door number two? <laughs> so door number two was there's gonna be a three month, you're gonna spend three months, David, of fleeing from all your enemies. You're gonna be on the run, you're gonna be chased for, th- for, for, for three months. Okay, that's not great either. What's behind door number three? Door number three, David, is there's gonna be a plague breakout in the entire nation for three days. So three years, three months, and three days. This is a dire situation. And I wanna show you how David expresses this dire situation in 1 Samuel 24, verse 14. This is his reply. David says, I'm in a desperate situation. (laughs) He says, this is a dire situation. And if you've never been in a dire situation, what a dire situation feels like is you are between a rock and a hard place. It means that no matter what you decide, it's not going to go well. This is what we would refer to as a lose-lose. There is no win-win. There is no win-lose. This is a lose-lose situation. And we're seeing this come out in David. And then it says, then David says this. It says, David replied to Gad, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into human hands. So this is, this is a desperate situation. In fact, the, the, de- the, the word, these words, desperate situation, In Hebrew, or the Hebrew word sayer, and it means narrow, tight, an appointment, an opponent crowding in. So this is I'm in a tight spot. I'm in a tight spot. I don't know what to do. Again, I'm I'm between a rock and a hard place. It doesn't matter what I decide, this is not going to turn out well for me. And anytime you're in a dire situation, this, this is when anxiety appears. This is when stress appears. This is when worry appears. And what I would present to you is this is a perfect example of mental health in the Bible. David finds himself in this part where he's wrestling. And he has to be wrestling with his thoughts and wrestling with fears and wrestling with anxiety. And he's wrestling because he literally cries out, I am in a desperate situation and I don't know what to do. But David's self-encouragement, I just read it. But his self-encouragement is actually tucked away in the passage that I just read, and it's hidden in his response. Let's read it again in verse 14. He says, I'm in a desperate situation. And then David replied to Gad, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. This is him encouraging himself in the Lord. He's saying, I'm in a desperate situation and it it doesn't matter where I turn, this is gonna be difficult. The diagnosis is bad. The family member is lost. The job is lost. The bankruptcy is is upon us. There's no way I can get out of this. I am in a dire situation. I'm between a rock and a hard place. But again, you see David falling back into two things. He falls back into location, location, location. Let me fall into the hands of God. Location, location, location. And then he goes to relationship, relationship, relationship. He says, For his mercy is great. His mercy is abundant. His mercy is great. So he pulls himself out of the dire situation in the moment and has the ability to lean in. And basically, in essence, this is what David is saying. He's saying, When it comes to my Lord, I'm in good hands. I'm in good hands. And I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what category you would fall into. But I do want to encourage you today that no matter what you're facing, no matter if you're in a time of 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 waiting, you're you're in a time of of just waiting and waiting on the Lord and you don't know what to do, and the timing that you have is not is not God's timing. Can I just encourage you to find some encouragement in the Lord? Maybe you're in a season of distress and you don't know what all that you're facing and the sorrow and the pain, you can encourage yourself in the Lord. Maybe you're in a season where you're just in a dire, dire situation, and you can so lean into the words of David when he says, I am in a desperate situation. And maybe you need to fall back and just say, I am going to fall back in the hands of God and trust him and know that his mercy is good for me. Location, 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 relationship, relationship, relationship. God is for us, as we talked about last week. God is for us. He is with us. Can you imagine? Can we all just stop for just a second and imagine a world? First, let's imagine two worlds, okay? Let's imagine our world. Can I look at my own life and imagine me having the ability every day, any day, anytime, when I'm faced with desire, when I'm faced with despair, when I'm faced with distress, when I'm faced with dire situations, I can stop. I can practice metacognition. I can think about what I'm thinking about. I can remind myself that location, location, location matters. What am I thinking about? Where is my mind at? I can look at relationship, relationship, relationship. I have a loving Father who loves me, who cares for me. And I could encourage myself in the Lord. Now move outside of ourselves and imagine a world, imagine the body of Christ, if we all possessed the strength, if we all had the ability to encourage ourselves in the Lord, how much brighter would our light be to this world? How much more of an impact could we have globally on the world if the body of Christ leaned on this strength that I believe is a God-given strength from the Lord, the same God who gave David the strength to encourage himself in the Lord is the same God that's here for us, for us to lean into this morning and encourage ourselves in the Lord. Can you imagine what this world might look like? This is our calling, this is our ability, this is our strength. So I don't know what you lean on because the truth of the matter is, no matter where you're at or no matter how you're feeling, we all must be encouraged, okay? We're all finding encouragement from somewhere. Uh, Maybe for you, you're you're constantly calling your friends and texting your friends, trying to find validation to feed an insecurity that you have because you're wanting to encourage yourself. And so you're going and you're pulling encouragement and placing it in yourself. Maybe for some of us, it's social media, Maybe for some of us, it's influence. We wanna pour more into ourselves to gain more encouragement for ourselves. And let's be just brutally honest. For some of us, we're so discouraged, we just find something to numb it with. We just, we just numb the discouragement because we don't know how to find encouragement. And so we numb it with pills or we numb it with drink or we numb it with, with any other aspect or gambling of anything that we could do to fill this void that we have. But what if we could find this strength? What if we could lean into this ability that I believe is a supernatural power that God will give us if we will lean into this thought and learn from David's experience to encourage ourselves in the Lord? I wanna pray for you before we end today's message. Father, I pray for each and every one of us, God, that we would be able to find the strength. We would be able to master, God, I believe this superpower that can come by the Holy Spirit of our own ability to to become cognizant of the moments where we're discouraged, analyze our thinking, analyze our location, analyze our relationship, and be able to go through a process and a journey of finding encouragement, God, finding encouragement in who you are in our lives. May we step into the fullness, God, of who you've called us to be. May we step into a relationship with you. May we continually remind ourselves and step into the very presence of God to find encouragement. If there are those here today that are discouraged, they're discouraged because a desire is going unmet, they're discouraged because they're in distress, God, that there's something that's just painful and sorrowful that that they're going through. Or God, maybe they're just in a dire situation. There's anxiety, there's fear, there's stress, there's worry, and all of those things are almost paralyzing to us. God, I pray that no matter where we are, that we could find the strength today, today, to encourage ourselves in the Lord, our God. We thank you for this strength. We embrace this strength, and we receive this strength. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.